Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, the Talent Surgery, the Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashdi at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Clara Yalmanian, co-founder and head of growth at OneSignal. Now, OneSignal provide daily, long or short signals in just one email per day for the US markets. Clara is here today to tell us more of her journey, more about her business and the lessons along the way. Clara, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about your role at One Signal and what that actually entails. Yes, sure. Um, so a bit of background on myself, maybe. So uh, after graduating from university and working in finance for some time, I decided to start One Signal. So our signals were developed by my father about 20 years ago for his personal trade, whilst raising a family of three children, which astonished me and my siblings since early on, as you can imagine. As I gained my experience and became increasingly interested in one signal's trading philosophy, he introduced me to his system and I was able to convince him of how much people needed a system like this, where you can work and trade or take care of a family and manage your finances, etc. So this is when we decided to start the business. I am the co-founder and the head of growth of one signal. So this means that I am at the intersection of marketing activities, product strategy, partnerships, and organic growth. I define and implement the company's overall business objectives and strategies and try to foster new partnerships. So that sounds super, super interesting. And it's great to hear a bit about your background and, and why the business was set up and where you're taking it. Just go into a bit more detail about OneSignal and what it does that's so unique, please. Sure. So at OneSignal, we provide, as you said already, uh, daily trading information based on the U.S. stock market. So our subscribers receive one word in one email per day, which is long or short, and that helps support their daily trading decisions. So I'm sure that OneSignal is not the first trading provider, like trading signal provider you heard about. However, our approach is quite unique. So what makes us different, you may ask? Our philosophy is simplicity. So we are aware of the time constraints of individuals nowadays, working one or two jobs, some taking care of families or studying and working at the same time. Therefore, we keep our information very concise. We summarize complex data into one word, long or short. So long means to buy, short means to sell. It's that simple. Uh, this makes one signal the perfect trading tool for individuals who want to invest, but don't have time to conduct long and thorough research. Our approach is unique as well. So our signals are based on sentiment indicators and follow the contrarian investing approach. So we don't use fundamental analysis to avoid valuation inaccuracies. We don't use technical analysis to avoid self-fulfilling prophecies 
and also we don't use common indicators to avoid trend following. So sentiment indicators are not something I guess uh, a lot of people have heard about, but sentiment indicators capture the emotions in the market and predict subsequent movements. What's important to note is that sentiment indicators are forward-looking indicators. Our algorithm identifies sentiment trends before they develop. So additionally, there's a lot of trust in the system as the signals have been used for over 10 years by my family. And we're family-owned and independent, meaning that we depend on our client success. So I know that you've got lots of plans for growth based on, on where you are right now. And it's an incredibly exciting time for you. Share all of that with us. It is indeed an exciting time. So basically, we have two growth routes. One is B2C and one is B2B. So the B2C segment is quite straightforward. This means we advertise our products on social media, to blogs, guest posts, SEO, etc. name it. The expansion in B2B segment is a bit more, I'd say, complicated and time-consuming, and it includes two sub-segments. So the first one are robot advisors, and that entails building partnerships with uh, robot advisors where we provide a white-label product, which they integrate into their product suit. So basically, we sell our signals to these companies, they integrate them on their platform, and their users can then trade based on our signals. The second one is wealth managers. So meaning we offer our signals to wealth managers, family offices, smaller funds, equity funds, etc. They invest their clients' money using our signals. So for B2B clients, we also offer additional gold, oil, and silver signals, which are only available to these companies and not to private investors due to legal restrictions. We only provide also trading information and execution. So the most common feedback we received after having spoken to many individuals interested in one signal is that we notice the desire to have automatic institution. So this is why we will be partnering with the company, which will implement our signals for our subscribers who are looking for execution services as well. Some other exciting stuff is that due to high demand, we'll be launching Bitcoin signals in the new year. So I hope this will be a, a great success. Well, you sound so busy at the minute with all these different streams <laughs> of growth. Um, now, when we were talking about this before, like you are taking this business to so, so many different directions and to totally new heights. And one of the things that really stood out for me is that when you mm-hmm. spoke about your background, you said that you grew up in a financial literate household. And I just want you to share that with the audience because you've got um, a really interesting perspective yeah. on the gender imbalance in the, in the industry. And I just wanted you to share that with the audience. Yeah, sure. So I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where financial literacy was giving a lot of importance. So since early on, I was educated about how to manage money, about the stock market, and the importance of investing for the long term. So this was due to my father's job, of course, and like his passion for investing and trading. It was always clear to me that finance and investing was more popular among men and women. However, when I was working for different financial institutions, either as internships or a job, the gender imbalance struck me even more. And in my opinion, this disproportion also translates into how young women view investing in the stock market. And at university, especially after university, since starting one thing off, I've had many insightful conversations with young women about their approach to the stock market and investing. So I could talk about this for hours, of course, but some of the most common remarks I've heard are, for example, it's only for men. I should save money because I want to start a family one day or I don't have enough confidence nor knowledge. So let's translate this into some official statistics. 
and the US, about 56% of Americans say that they currently invest in the stock market. However, within these 56%, 48 are women compared to 66 men. In the UK, only one in five women invest compared to one in three men. And these are all surveys from this year. So there are countless reasons why women don't invest, but I would say my observations, which have been confirmed by research, have shown that one of the main ones is confidence. So lots of women don't feel as confident as they should when making big financial decisions. And if a housewife at the beginning of the last century was able to manage with scarce resources and to decide what she had to buy and when, one would ascribe to a high degree of economic instinct. And this economic instinct and ability passed down through generations is something we can use just as much for making decisions on a larger scale. We don't lack skills, we lack the determination and confidence, in my opinion. And the success of those women who have gained a foothold in this industry reinforces, in my opinion, that we are real competition for men in a true-free market. However, this is one thing. Other surveys have shown that only 28% of women admit to feeling confident investing some of their money compared to 48% of men. 69% of women say they've learned how to choose investments compared to 82% of men, which leads us back to financial literacy. And the, it shows us the importance of how it is essential to educate both women and men on the stock market, money management, etc. So we get rid of this imbalance. Anxiety, confusion are more prevalent emotions in women than men when thinking about investing. So the same survey has shown that women are more likely than men to say they feel anxious, 29% versus 22 or confused when thinking about investing. And on the flip side, men are much more likely than women to report feeling confident when investing. 41% of men feel confident when investing versus 22% of women. Other factors are confusing investment language or overly complex jargon, lack of female investor role models, and a perception issue that leads to unconscious bias. So the irony in all of this is that despite investing less, there's evidence that when women do invest, they outperform men. It is shown that women have more patience than men and are less likely to gamble as they tend to be more risk averse, less impulsive, and think more about the long term. So according to analysis by Warren Business School, women outperform men at investing by 1.8 percentage points over three years. So women shouldn't hide behind their saving accounts and at one thing now we want to help them. I absolutely love all the statistics that you've shared with us. This is so eye-opening. I think I've written down so many of these, but you know, hearing that only one in five women invest compared to one in three men, huge statistic. But then you just reeled off so many more. And I really love this final one when you say when women do invest, they outperform. So, you know, it's not... It's not about a lack of skill set. As you say, it's about ensuring that we've got the support and the determination yeah. around that yeah. and that, that unconscious bias. We start, we start attacking that and, um, and working towards it. Now, you believe passionately about empowering others and you're really active in this. Can you share with us some of what you do? Yes, of course. So I believe that breaking the stigma surrounding our financial goal is the first step because money and investing are not topics that we as women have ever usually discussed. So even though the majority of women frequently discuss money in terms of how much goods cost and how much we spend day to day, many of us still rarely discuss our future plans in terms of what we want our money to do for us or what our financial aspirations are. What many people ignore as well is that conversations about money have emotional value because many women see money as the means to protect our family or our future family and provide them 
with prosperous future. And because women are usually at the center of a family, it follows by nature that they have to deal with it. So what I do is I actively try to empower the women around me. So that's, that's one thing. And it's not as difficult as it sounds. So with one signal, we started a series of small eBooks, which are free to download on our website. So one series focuses on demystifying financial jargon, as I believe that financial literacy is the first step to investing. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of women mention that the complex financial terms usually put them off. And that's why they think it's too complicated for them and they, they don't even want to get started. So the second series is about debunking trading myths, such as trading is for men or I need a lot of money to start. This is also very important because these are misconceptions, which are very, very common and also lead to a kind of barrier between you and the financial market and you and investing. And in the future, these will probably become short podcasts. So on a personal level, I also try to have as many conversations about this as possible, whether it is with friends, friends of friends, family, acquaintances, etc. And I'm always happy to help anyone with uh, questions they might have. That is absolutely brilliant. I'm so glad that you shared that. And what we've got to do is make sure that when we post this podcast, we're putting links to your eBooks because they sound absolutely brilliant. So just to remind everybody of what that is, it's demystifying financial jargon. It's ensuring that we're debunking myths because too many think too many people think that trading is for men and it's not. Too many people think that you need a lot of money to start investing and you don't. And I think what you stand for is um, not just the education, but making it easy for people to start walking the talk for change, which is what we're here to do. So um, mm-hmm. with all of that in mind, what is your call to action with regards to what we should all be doing more of for inclusion across the industry? So, well, we have a lot of women who are well-educated and very, very determined to get a foothold in this industry. And that's a base we can already build on because the more women we can inspire to enter the financial world, the more pressure we can exert to include them in the positions they deserve. We are already slowly but surely seeing some positive changes. For example, I read that there are several funds which will launch next year, which have female founders. So, which is already something that this industry hasn't really seen before. We need to also connect on different platforms and constantly exchange ideas. If men have their clubs, we should have at least as many. For me, it's not about pushing the unqualified, but about giving everyone a fair chance to fill positions. It's about giving everyone the same amount of information and education to start investing and to start trading. And it is also very important to break the stigma around women and the stock market or women and finance. And that's a wonderful way to draw this uh, podcast to a close. Let's break that stigma. Let's debunk those myths. Let's educate ourselves by demystifying the financial jargon. I absolutely love everything that you've shared with us today. And it's such a brilliant, unique perspective that you've brought to today's podcast, but we can all learn so much from it. So thank you very much for joining me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Thank you, Nadia. (laughs) 